day that you have made, and we will be glad and rejoice in it. Lord, it's not about how many or how much. It is about how well. And you have said where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are. And we have felt your presence up until this point. But we also recognize that it doesn't take much for us to leave your presence. And so, Lord, even in this last few moments that we have with each other, we pray, Lord, with you. We pray that you be with us and that we will not be distracted. That the spirit that we have had up until this point will remain until we close. May you receive all the honor and the glory for we have prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, I want to welcome our visitors and those who don't regularly worship with us. As the fellow elder said, we have a lot of people out today, but we still believe that the presence of the Lord is here. Amen. And there is healing in God's house. A long time ago, an old man told me, he said, boy, if you ever go to church and leave still sick, it's on you, not on God. I said, what do you mean? He said, it's on you, not on God, because in God's house, there is healing. As I got older, I began to understand what the man what meant at that time, because I soon realized that all my problems were mine, and that if I let God take over, things would be taken care of. Maybe not in the way I always wanted it to be taken care of, but it would still be taken care of. And so that is my encouragement, as I've heard people say, their testimonies, their prayers, people heavy-hearted, people dealing with burdens. Recognize that there is healing in God's house. There is restoration in God's house. There is a balm in Gilead in God's house. You know, church is not about how long you've been doing it. There's nothing that aggravates me more than people telling me how long they've been in the church. That doesn't mean much in God's eyes. All God cares about is, are you serving me in this moment? You know, on that day, there's nothing in the Bible that tells me God's going to ask you for your CV. He's going to say, I want to see your resume. What did you do? And then you stay there and say, uh, I was baptized in uh, 19, uh, well, for me, I was baptized, I think, in 1988. Yes, so it will start that way. I was baptized in 1988. And then we'll continue to rattle and say, I was made elder, I was master guide, I was this. I don't think those are the qualifications. Are they the qualifications, my people? I was first elder for how many years? Like that matters to God. The song that we just listened to started off and the words are there. I find space for what I treasure, I make time for what, what? I choose my, is this true, saints of God? Is it true that we find space for what we treasure? Yes. Is it true that we choose our priorities all the time? All the time, consciously or, un so, you know, subconsciously, you are making choices about what matters to you. But what do we really treasure? 
what exactly do we really treasure? You see, Jesus Christ, when he came, his very first long sermon we find in Matthew 5 through chapter 7, right? We all know this. Matthew 5 is the, what, what's in that chapter? Beatitudes. And then Matthew 6, what does he do? Anybody remember? Exactly. And he begins to give good advice on how man should live. And so I want us to look in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. We'll go through this quickly. I've been told I've got limited amount of time, and we praise the Lord because there's not a lot to say here. But Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21, it says... Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on where? Do not lay up for yourself treasures on where? Where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven. When neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is... There your heart will be where? Why did Jesus say we should lay up treasure in heaven? I've pondered that for most of my adulthood. And uh, I think it's only in the last two years that I actually found out the answer to that question. That satisfied me. You might have your own answer. But for me, the answer has become simple. The only reason to lay up my treasure in heaven is because that's where God is. That's the only reason. It's because God is in heaven, and it is my desire to be what? Reconciled with God. So if I want to be reconciled with my treasure, which is God, and God is in heaven, then I need to be what? Focused on heaven. But here's the little catch. If you want to live with God in heaven... You must begin to live with him here. Did you get that? If you want to live with God in heaven, we must begin to live with him where? Here. That is why we have to make room for God here. So how do we make room? Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. If you turn with me there. It's a familiar text. Many of us might have learned this when we were little children. It's at the end to the seventh uh, message to the Laudation Church. It says, Behold, I stand at the door, and I'm doing what? A knock. And it says, If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Who's knocking? Brothers and sisters, who is knocking? Jesus is knocking. He's at the door knocking. And he gives two conditions. Just two. Note it today. Two conditions for reeling with him. And what I'm always amazed by this is that it is Jesus who initiates the relationship. You know, when we say we're looking for God or we're searching for God, the truth is God has been searching for us. You just woke up now and recognized him. So when you turn around and say, I'm looking for God. No, no, no. He has been looking for you this entire time. You just recognize that he's looking for you. 
my people say, when you wake up, that's your morning. Do you get that? For many of us, when we recognize as the testimonies were given about coming to Christ, that was our morning. It did not mean that Jesus had not been looking for us this entire time. Behold, I stand at the door and I'm what? Knocking. The Laudation Church is not a church of unbelievers. These are people like you and me. These are church people. Do you hear what I'm saying? So often we think that this message is for those who don't believe. No, Jesus Christ is saying, you in the pew right now, at our Churchill, Sister Lorraine, at Anaku, Brauche, I am standing at the door and I'm what? I'm knocking. But here are the conditions. If you hear my voice, if you hear my voice, how many of us put, our pla put ourselves in the place to actually hear the voice of God? You know, young people always tell me all the time, Uncle Leb, Uncle Leb, but we don't understand why you say we shouldn't drink alcohol, this, that, and the other thing. The Bible is not explicit about it. And I take them to just one verse, Ephesians 5, verse 18. Ephesians 5, 18 tells us not to be filled with alcohol, but to be filled what? With the Holy Spirit. And that passage is not just about alcohol. That passage is about anything that deadens your senses so that you cannot hear the voice of God speaking to you. Anything. Even the quote-unquote good things. If you consume them to the point where you can no longer hear the voice of God speaking to you. Some of us are so busy with our shows, yours included with our sports, me especially, with so many things in life, with the news, with CNN, with TV, with Facebook, with Instagram, with social media, with Nigerian politics, with our WhatsApp groups, that we have no time to even hear God speak to us. We give God 30 minutes in the morning if you are in the 6 o'clock prayer group, and that's it. Because even when you're praying at home at night, your mind is on something else. But your mouth, you know, you can do this Christian thing for so long that your mind can be somewhere while your mouth is praying to God. I'm being very serious. Let's be real with each other. You could be sitting right now praying, and your mind is somewhere else, thinking about where you want to go. Is it not true? Yes, it's true. If we cannot be real with ourselves in the house of God, then where will we be honest with each other? This is no longer the time to sugarcoat or dance around the things that we are dealing with. There is healing in God's house. We need to make sure that we place ourselves where we can always hear the voice of God. And this extends beyond... You know, Jesus gave the perfect example. He would wake up early in the morning. And I want to encourage all of us, whether it's early in the morning or late at night, whatever your, your opportunity is. But I also want to challenge you that you should look to hear the voice of God always. On your job. In the meeting. Talking with your family. 
driving to the grocery store. It doesn't matter where you are. This is not a time where you say, here's my window for hearing from God. And then after that, I hear Don Lemon on CNN. Then I'll catch up with God a little bit later. We need to hear God's voice always. Because if we don't hear God's voice, remember this message is to people in the church. This isn't, this isn't for someone who doesn't even know God. This is for you and me who claim to know God. The seventh church, the lukewarm church. We have to be able to hear him. We have to make sure that our minds are always attuned to him. And so the question you and I should ask ourselves all the time is, in this moment, can I hear God speak to me? In this very moment, right now, could I hear God speak to me? When you go for that meeting, could I hear God speak to me? When you go for that event with your coworkers, could I hear God speak to me? Because to hear God speak to you gives us the opportunity to do what? Open the door. Because the text says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door. Those of you who studied English, I did not, would tell us that, with, well, English or maths, they tell us with truth tables. When you have a truth table, on one side you have true and true. If it is or that's in the middle, then true or false is still true. But for and, it has to be true on both sides. You cannot just hear. I feel like I hear a lot, to be honest with you. But do I open the door? Do you open the door? What does it mean to open the door? What it means to open the door is what we heard in that song. To let go of our ego. As Africans and Nigerians, Lord help me, we can be so proud. Proud for what I don't know. There's nothing we have that has not been achieved before us. And there's nothing that you have achieved that will not be achieved after you. What's the big deal? I'm sorry, you know, those of you who've known me for a while, no, I have no other way but than to be real. Our attitude. What's the door? You see, Jesus says you have to, by his grace, open the door. You have to get rid of that thing that prevents him from what? Coming in. Because unfortunately for you and me, Jesus doesn't knock down the door. That is why we, 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 someone said here, well, some people have to be forced to be saved. Nah, that's not true. Jesus himself does not knock down the door. He says, you have to open it. So to make room for Jesus Christ means I have to hear his voice, yes, but I have to, in addition, open the door. I have to put anything aside that is preventing him from coming in to me. My ego, my attitude, my habits, anything. Your schedule. Thank you, brother. Your plans. 
Some of us, Lord, you shouldn't have done this. Some of us design God around our schedule. Where will God fit? Uh, 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 okay, I have a small spot here. Church wants me to do something here. Got it. I can fit it here. Our life is designed around our own schedule. Forgetting the one who gave you the breath to actually live and move. Our attitudes, our habits, our plans. We have put these ahead of God. These are the door that is not allowing him to come in. But just two, two basic criteria. Open the door. Get rid of anything that is inhibiting, that is preventing God from coming in. Jesus from coming in and interacting with you. Because he says, once you open that door, he will come in. And then he says, I will eat with you and you with me. Uh, I don't know how many of you, you know, when I, when, I, when, I imi- when I put this in my imagination, I remember when I was a child and when we were children, we'll go to our friend's house and things like that. And sometimes, you know, my friend's mother will bring out food and we'll eat. And that's all I can think about. It was always a very interesting situation when your friend's mother brought out the food and you were the only one eating. Something was wrong with that picture. Exactly, the food was not good. Something was going on. But when your friend sat down, or your friend's sister, or somebody sat down to eat with you, and in those days, you know, we used to eat from the same plate. Yeah, we weren't, my kids are germaphobes, right? This is just a day. We eat from the same plate. I remember this. Drink from the same cup. It was fellowship. What God is saying here is, I will fellowship with you. When I make, when you make room for me, when you open the door, what happens? Fellowship. I will fellowship with you. And when God fellowships with us, everybody else knows. There is no way that God is in your life. Hear me now. That people around you don't know about it. The reason why people can't. The reason why people don't say we are different. Is because we have not made room. Yeah we can talk about the Holy Spirit. We can show up here on Sabbath. We can pray long prayers. We can sing with good voices. But the difference with the Holy Spirit living in you. Is that everybody can tell. You see, in Acts 4, verse 13, after those men, uh, after they had healed the blind men, and Peter and John went before the the, the scribes and Pharisees, after, after they spoke to them, they said, you know what? We can tell what happened. These men had been with who? Jesus. You know, one of the things I, I do in my career is uh, organizational development, and every now and then, I have to help another department figure out what's wrong with what's going on. And one of the exercises we do is uh, a values exercise. And people come up and they say, we value honesty. We value integrity. We value directness. We val- they value so many things. 
And then you say, that's great. Now tell us some stories that show these values in action. Tell me how you are very honest as an organization or a group. Or tell me how you are treat your coworkers. And many times, people can't tell any stories. They struggle. And then you look at them and say, but I thought you said you value these things. Well, we value them, but we really are not living them. So it just so happens that what they truly value is something completely different. Yes. And I think this is the exact same thing with us in our lives. We say we value. We say we treasure heaven. But when we look at our activities, when we look at the way we conduct our lives, when we look at the way we interact with one another, when we look at everything we do, does it really, really demonstrate, exhibit, show that we value that we treasure heaven. You know, I, I sometimes don't believe we fully understand the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. And this is why making room is so important. Because when the Holy Spirit lives in us and dwells in us, we cannot be the same people. You cannot be the same person. That, that, that is just denying the power of God. To say you have the Holy Spirit in you and you are the exact same person? That is blasphemy. Because you cannot have the Holy Spirit in you and be the same person. It is impossible. That is denying the power of God on your life. And so... If you're fighting at home, check out whether you have the Holy Spirit. If you're lying at work, check out if you have the Holy Spirit. If every time you get involved in a meeting, there's acrimony, there's dissension, you don't have the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit cannot be in you and those be the manifestations. It's impossible. You might not believe me, our last text, Galatians 5, 22 to 23. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It is very clear. And I want us to look at it as we wrap up. Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Because making room for God should cause us to be changed people. On this prayer and fasting day, we are saying, Lord, we have shut you out. We have put our schedule, our plans our jobs, our income, our status, or whatever. We have put it, we have closed the door. We recognize that you are knocking. Most of us under the sound of my voice can actually hear. But we are yet to open the door. Because when we open the door and the spirit of the God lives in us, then Galatians 5.22 tells me this. 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no 
law. Brothers and sisters, as I put these few words together, I was very challenged myself to say, have I made room for God? Making room for God is not a one and done thing. We make room for God when every moment of our life. We make room for God. Am I allowing God's transforming spirit to create the fruit of the spirit in me? Do I exhibit love in my family, with my friends, co-workers? How about joy? How about peace? Am I patient? Am I kind? Do people call me good or do they see me wicked? Am I faithful? When I say I'm going to do something in my department at church, do I do it? Am I gentle or am I a tiger? Lord have mercy. Do I have self-control? Do I have self-control? I want to pray for us today, not because I'm in a better place than anybody here, but because I believe that if we truly made room for the Holy Spirit to live in us, if we truly opened the door as Jesus is knocking, we would be different. People would interact with us right from our homes and say, yes, I can see the working of the Holy Spirit in my wife, in my husband, in my children. We would get to work and people would say, you are different. Why are you different? And we would say, it's because the Holy Spirit is working in me. We would come to church and church members would say, brother, sister, you're glowing. What is different? And you would say, it is because the Holy Spirit is in me. You would go to your community meeting and people would be rowdy and you would be calm. And they would say, why are you calm? And you would say, it's because the Spirit is in me. You would be going out and doing your sports. And people would say, why are you not being aggressive? And you would say, it's because it's the Spirit in me. Someone would cut you in traffic and you would not cuss at them. And everyone else in the car would say, did you not see what happened? And you would say, yes, I did. But the Spirit is working in me. Someone at church board would say something negative to you that you should respond to, but you would not respond to them. And people would say, why did you not respond? And you would say, it's because of the spirit in me. A little child will offend you, and perhaps you should spank them, but you would not. And people would say, why didn't you spank this child? And you would say, it's because the spirit of God is in me. You would say, I have made room for him. I continue to make room. If this is your desire this day, as we start a new quarter, I'm just going to ask you to stand. Let us stand. I know personally that I have not always made room. But this is another opportunity for us to rededicate our lives to making room. The one thing that concerns me all the time is... Uh, what Paul said, that after he has preached, that he himself might be lost. That, that, that bothers me a lot, not just because I talk about the message, but I think everybody here who opens their mouth to testify about God should have that concern. Because once you have spoken to somebody else about the goodness of God, you have preached. So that is not a worry for just pastors. It is a worry for anybody 
who considers themselves a disciple of Jesus Christ. Let it not be that after suffering, after sojourning, after not really enjoying the pleasures of this life, we find ourselves short because we never made room for Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this moment. We thank you that you have come after us from the beginning of time. The Bible tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. You are the lamb that was slain from the foundation. Thank you, dear Lord. You have told us that you are standing at the door and knocking. Something many of us here would not do. You have lowered yourself to our level. And you have not seen it to be a wrong thing. Forgive us, Lord, for we have sinned. Lord, we hear your voice today. We hear your call. But if we have done those things that have made it hard for us to hear you, Lord, help us to put them beside. Whatever the distractions are in our lives, social media, work, family, whatever it is, oh Lord, help us to cast it aside. Yes, those things are important. But as you told Martha in Luke 10, verse 42, there's only one thing that really matters. That is knowing you and putting you in the rightful place. You are first, you are last, you are best. Help us, dear Lord, to give you the right place in our lives. Lord, this afternoon I'm going to pray a prayer that some may not find very comfortable, but I'm asking on behalf of everyone here, including myself, the things, Lord, that are distracting us from serving you the way we should, Take them away from us. Whatever it is, dear Lord, that is preventing us from making room for you, take it away from us. It doesn't matter what it is, Lord. It does not matter what it is. This day, we are giving you the permission to take those things away from us. Because it is our desire to live with you eternally. Our treasure is God. We want to be in heaven. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer. For we have asked in Jesus' name, amen. Praise him.